Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 139, episode 5 of Dirt Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's share consciousness and say officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers, uh, fuck Fox uh, News, fuck Rush Limbaugh, uh, fuck Buck Sexton, uh, fuck Sean uh, Hannity, fuck uh, J.K. Rowling. Fuck and now that we've got that out of the way, it's Friday, June 26th. 2020. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Jack O'Thion, uh, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! Then I saw her face, ba-ba-ba-ba, I couldn't believe it, ba-ba-ba, was another case, ba-ba-ba-ba, no mask inside, ba-ba-ba, oh, I need drugs, Woo. I need some relief, yeah. I can't believe Karen's all that wild, and her own, and her own, and her own, and okay, so there was a lot of controversy with this AKA. Crispy Meme Donut, a.k.a. Christy Yamaguchi Maiden, who submits many AKAs, put this and said, to the tune of, I'm a believer by Smash Mouth. Now, many people <laughs> hopped in the replies and called out this monkey's erasure. Um, and I understand. I, I, I totally get that. A shout out to everybody who came to the defense of the monkeys. But yes, I had to honor the Smouth, the Smash Mouth. Smash Mouth version. There we go. Mouse. Well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious and talented Kevin T. Porter. Hello, I'm here. We're doing it. It's it's all good, and the world is getting better and better every day, isn't it? Every it day, is, I think. It, what, it depends Kevin, on how, how you, you look at it. There's you can always find good. You can always find good, and you can always find. You can, you know, there's there's always little, you know, as, as John Krasinski has taught us recently, there's always some good news. Yeah. Right. Like, we always need a little smile, and we can find that every day if we look hard enough. Do we know the origin story of it yet? Like, aside from the press release boilerplate version of, like, you know, he just felt like it was, the, the world really could use some good news right now, and that's why we're calling it that. But, like, do you... I feel like it was the most cynical thing where it's like, okay, you know what would fucking kill right now is if we do some janky from my kitchen show where it looks like a dad telling you about the good in the world. They're going to eat that shit up and then we'll fucking sell off the IP, baby. You know how Krasinski do? No, I believe if if someone were to write an oral history of SGN, it would be uh, 30 words long, and it would be John Krasinski's agent saying, I thought it would be a good play, and we could probably sell the IP. Uh. And that would, be the, that would be the oral history. Also, with John, unfortunately, and I hate to, you know, listen, has, has call out and cancel culture gone too far? It's a question we ask ourselves every day. <laughs> every but moment. with John, he is not, he's, he's not that. That's the, the whole image of that stuff. I have friends that worked post- on a quiet place. He yelled at editors. He threw stuff. He's mean. Oh. He's not he's not a dad that wants to throw a prom for teenagers. Ah, he's just like it. a he's just the your run of the mill Hollywood jerk. Yes. You're close Zinsk? Unfortunately, we may be looking at an Ellen situation, folks. Uh-oh. Where things are not as they appear. Oh, that was my favorite. I remember like fucking 15 years ago. No, maybe no, 12 years ago, to be fair, was the first time I had heard someone who had survived that show and was like, no, man, you got to 
No, no. And like, I remember my, uh, someone I went to high school with dated the former DJ, like one of the guys who was one of the DJs. And the pre Twitch, that, yes. That dude was like, oh my God, dude. He's like, nah, it's, it's just not, yeah. it's, it's not a chill place. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And Kevin, yeah. you had a very popular uh, Twitter uh, thread where you were just like, hey. Yeah. I'm bored. Why don't people share with me uh, some some that Ellen was, horror stories? That was like uh, like two or three weeks into quarantine, and that felt like, yeah. well, this could be my King Lear. Dethroning and defunding Ellen, the Ellen show. Well done. And uh, yeah, yeah, I was I was happy with uh, I was happy with the validation of that. What was the wildest story that you uh, got in your in reply to that call? Well, they turned into, like, it got pretty jokey, like, the bigger right. guy, and people were like, she threw water on my papers, like, stuff that obviously didn't happen. But the, right. the the nail polish thing in which the waitress to whom that actually did happen logged on and was replying, and she's, she's a comedian herself, where Ellen went out to a restaurant, and then because this waitress's nail polish was chipped, she called the restaurant the next day to try to get the uh, the employee fired. From the job, that was probably one of the most egregious ones, Holy I would say. Yikes. And then there were like plenty more in DMs of like people saying, my wife used to work on the show and here's what she said. It's like, well, I'm, I can't do anything with it. Like, I'm, yeah. like, Please like, I'm happy to, to hear your confession, but it's not gonna, it's not, I don't know how productive it'll be. We're transmitting from the air ducts in the studio. Send yeah, help. exactly. We were actually talking on yesterday's episode about uh, Tina Fey and I noticed that you were kind of responding to her attempting to get 30 rock out of jail uh saying that you thought this had more to do with you know her reputation management than it did any sort of sensitivity yeah i mean yeah. especially and and this is like uh unfortunately like a weird trend now of late night comedy people apologizing for their use of blackface from the last mm-hmm. 20 or so years mm-hmm. or sometimes like the last 10 and then, which begets a wave of white people realizing that maybe it's kind of weird if they voice black people in animated shows. But mm. I think I, I think in all those cases, it's like, okay, there's definitely like corporate interest in play, and maybe there is like legitimate change to heart, whatever. You don't you never know what a person's yeah. going through. With Tina Fey specifically, her his his her history on late race as it stands currently would um i think beg to differ as far as like her current statements go like there is definitely a a, a cognitive dissonance with that and even like a a episode of kimmy schmidt from a couple years ago right which was meant to lambast anyone who would ever criticize someone making art for being racially insensitive in which uh asian american protesters vanish into smoke by being offended too much that doesn't strike me as the same woman that would say you know, I really care about kids not seeing blackface, and it would just really hurt my heart right. if uh, if they were offended yeah. by that. There's one that says, I'm not in the apology business. I'm opting out of that. So my yeah. thing with her is like, that's fine. Continue opting out of it. Like, I don't need you to be my, my progressive savior. I right. don't want Seinfeld to go back into Seinfeld and CGI black girlfriends where there were none. Just be like... Old and problematic, but don't pretend uh, like that you're you weren't n- doing that. Yeah. Yes, you yes, can just be, be like, yeah, that. Look, honestly, I'm off that shit, and that sucks. But that's that's the record of my pr- evolution, I guess. Is there? The- I don't. Yeah. Seinfeld is 
is my favorite example because he confused uh, his like, you know, getting so rich that he wasn't funny anymore and like couldn't relate to human beings anymore with uh, being rejected by progressive culture. Uh, <laughs> right. And it was just like extra embarrassing. Yeah. There's just a certain tax bracket after which your brain just stops evolving. (laughs) It it would appear. And like and I'm sure there are people where it's like they make valiant efforts to to do something different. Uh but if it feels like there is like an intersection of like this age and this much money, and it's just like farewell. Like we'll we'll try again with the next generation. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like up the up I lost grip of the balloon. Yep, there it goes. It's floating away. All right, never mind. But with the streaming stuff, the streaming stuff bugs me, though, because it's like, right. all right, well, now no one will ever need to hold Tina Fey to account for all that stuff. Right. Because it'll just like right. 10 years from now when someone is actually watching 30 Rock for the first time, they'll just like never know about it. And she yeah. gets a get out of jail free card for that. And I'll look like a creep right. like I'm at a coffee shop, like a Tina Fey truth. I'm like, just so you know, I got the DVDs at 30 Rock. Yeah, if you if you download face. the torrents, you can yeah. see uh, President yeah, Faye ain't all what she cracked up to be. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, just like um, stand by it. It's it's more painful. That goes for you too, Zach Braff. Stand by your blackface on Scrubs because right. they just pulled those as well. Oh, did yep. they? They okay. did. Yeah. yeah he or like was, I didn't even know he, he did. I was okay. I didn't even yeah. know he did blackface on Scrubs. It, I've never seen we- Scrubs really, but okay, there we go. It's just a yeah. It's weird because it's like different time. It's like, yeah, that was like 2007, though. <laughs> well, it was God, that, that like, you know, that like Michael Scott era of humor where it was basically it was just sort of like we can point out racism and that's the level of sort of wokeness that we'll engage in. We're like, we're not going to be like, that's funny because it's racist. We're like, that's funny because it's racist. That's gross, actually. And that's really awkward that that person would do something so racist. But then awkward. that's where it'll end, like the sort of examination of that behavior. And yeah, then it kind of gets yeah. away. And I think like, yeah, we know it's bad. Fully, because the white liberals, there was just like a moment of time and culture that hopefully will pass where like the their predominance in media, as long as they said, no, trust me, like I, I'm not racist and like I totally get it. Like that's how you get right. Sarah Silverman saying the N-word a bunch in her stand up and things like right. that, where it's like, this isn't quite hopefully we're getting to the point where I don't think you can ironically emulate a thing without somewhat sincerely emulating the thing at right. all. And I'm sure you guys have talked about the the Megan Amram tweets at this point as well. Uh sure. we touched on them, I think, last week. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that's it was funny because I remember seeing her tweets from like a good place where she would put down all of her ideas for businesses like from a good place. And like whenever it was Asian restaurants, like the paragraph, it was like this thick of ideas. Italian restaurants were this like she had a good mind for Asian puns, it seemed at all times. Yeah, uh, very, very unfortunate. Yeah. So we'll see what happens because I think, yeah, there's a lot of comedians out there, too, who like know her well. And they're like, they're like, I don't believe her to be like a nasty person, but I'm also going to say. I'll believe it when I see it, when I see the actual work being done rather than like, you know my heart. You know my heart. Right. You know where I'm coming yeah. from. Right. But I think those people that would be more skeptical and and try more holistically to hold a person like that to account will not be in a hiring firing position over a person like that. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Right. Like yeah. it's not like Mike Schur's gonna be like, hmm, this person mm. I've worked with for twelve years. Mm, I don't think <laughs> right, so. Like right, right. he'll hire her for the next show. It like kinda it materially doesn't really have a consequence probably yeah whereas I mean, uh cat cohen that has a consequence for sure <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately or right. or fortunately depending 
We're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we're going to tell our listeners a couple of the things we're talking about. Uh, we're going to talk about overt racism in uh, the police who were fired uh, and just the, the transcript of what, of what they said on, on camera. We're also going to talk about the Linwood Vikings, uh, which is something that was covered on Behind the Police, uh, Robert Evans's and Propaganda's look back at the history of policing, recent history of policing, there being a, a white supremacist gang operating out of uh, the L.A. Sheriff's Office. Also, you know, we'll, we'll check in with that uh, cop who uh, had a tampon put in his frappuccino uh, to, to see where that investigation's at. Uh, we'll impressed. talk about something Justice called for the police officer, racism. I'm sure. Right. Finally. Um, we'll talk about Kristen Bell and Jenny Slate uh, subbing themselves out of voicing persons of color on animated shows. Uh, and we'll check in with the Netflix top 10 and probably do a, do a watch on one of the pieces of content that's trending right now. Uh, all of that, plenty more. But uh, first, Kevin, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Well, one of the last things from my search history truly was Scrubs Blackface that I saw. <laughs> because I was like, I think I saw every episode of that show. I have no memory of this. And Was, uh, lo was and he behold, like doing so, a bit with like Donald Faison or something? Yeah, they were like switching places. So like oh. Faison had white face on, I think. Uh, what about white face? Yeah, exactly. No, what I about white face? I can't wait till we tackle that moment. What about I, white well, face? Well, I mean, right now, if you saw like on Twitter, James Earl Jones was trending because people were like, um, this black guy was Anakin Skywalker, who is a white. So what's, <laughs> oh why is Jenny Slate? It, 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 that's like the discourse I'm seeing on Twitter yeah. from nerds. But again, a lot of Wonderful. people are like, I'm sure Star Wars fans would love like the one speck of darkness of blackness in that entire franchise aside from Lando or something to be if that would be like, yeah, it shouldn't have been James Earl Jones. Otherwise, it pretty would have been a fully, fully, fully white. Yeah, uh, that's a, a very bad faith argument. Although uh, mm. canonically, um, uh, I believe that Jabba the Hutt is um, is Hispanic. Okay. <laughs> All right. Jabba <laughs> Chamberlain. Yeah. I think that I think the well other thing about James Earl Jones too is that he like didn't want to even be credited as it in the beginning. I feel like that was like one of those things where he felt it was sort of like, dude, I'm just voicing this other thing. I just go I'm not in this movie. Don't worry about me. Did um, he make some wild Andrew? financial deal with the back end or something? He must have. I mean, that's yeah. I think all the great people who are just like are gone because they're so rich had the like devil's deal of royalty points like Keanu Reeves with the Matrix. Mm -hmm. Everybody who was involved in the original Star Wars was intensely embarrassed about it before it came out and became a monster hit. Right. And I think they were still embarrassed, but they were like, oh, I guess so this is where we're at. But right. Uh, is, is it, you think yeah. it's one of those things where like they're mad at the people who like it? It's like, yo, this just sucks, bro. <laughs> Probably with y'all. You think this is good? Fuck. All right, I guess I'll Alec Guinness. Yeah, was cut like, me another yo, trillion dollar what check. The fuck is this? Harrison Ford was. <laughs> I did not like the movie at all. I could see all of them being that way, maybe except for Hamill. Always thought it was great because he was the star. Right. Of it. He could. Be, he yeah. he might be the one that's like just like wide eyed. Against, He's like yeah, wow. out of lock stuff of like. No, I think it's pretty good, actually. It's, like, fun. <laughs> He's like, Sh space. shut up, Mark. <laughs> He's not turd. wrong. It is There's fun. power converters. It fun. It's yeah. wonderful. 
<laughs> yeah, get the one out. You get fucking bent over a Tashi station. You fucking <laughs> What is uh? What's something you think is underrated, Kevin? I think is underrated. Uh, going on walks, man. I think going on a nice long walk, and this isn't even like uh, the like pandemic and quarantine aside. One of my favorite pastimes was put on my Bose headphones and then just walking around the beautiful streets of Pasadena, California for hours to get my steps in, to burn some cows, and just to to see my city. Burn some cows, say hi to some pals. You know what I mean? Burn cows like, and say hi to pals, which is yeah. what, you know, social distance walks are. How long, what, how, what's like the duration of a typical Kevin T. Porter walk? A walk so, about? Well, for, so for the way my life is uh, kind of structured right now, mm-hmm. uh it is limited in the sense of I'll run in the morning oh. and then oh I I will come back and then shower up, do some work, and then I'll take little walk breaks throughout the day where then I'll oh. maybe go out for like 20 minutes at a time, come back, 20 minutes at a time, come back, or maybe like an hour at a time and come back. So like, yeah, anywhere between like 10... 10 to 45 minutes, I think, is a is a great zone for oh, me. Oh, I like it's like oh, It's almost like rather than cigarette breaks, you're like, and I'll do a walk break. Yeah, the opposite of, of what that does to your body. Sounds very healthy. Wait, you are smoking on these walks, right? Yeah. Fully, uh, yeah. I no, and I got one. I don't understand. I got one of those masks with the hole in it, so you can keep <laughs> yeah. smoking good, as you good. walk. He's got one of those harmonica yeah. neck braces, but it's just filled with 15 <laughs> cigarettes. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I actually do have a harmonica neck brace, and now I really want to do that and take pictures <laughs> of it. That's a great idea. Hey, that's like album cover for your next album. Yeah. <laughs> what is uh, what's something you think is overrated? Overrated? Okay. Now, uh, I, I, I don't have a good argumentative foundation for this, but right now I'm going to say The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. I, and I don't even know wow. if I agree with this what i'm saying right now <laughs> oh no but i'm just let's examine in. that <laughs> no this is who i am but i i i have i'm starting to watch it for the first time mm-hmm. because of the excess of, of free time that we mm-hmm. all have now and it feels like the golden age like these are the greatest shows of all time from like from the golden age of television like the turn of the 90s into the 2000s it was the wire the sopranos Mad Men, and breaking bad like that was kind of the cultural critical consensus I watched Breaking Bad in real time, loved it. Never watched The Wire. Watched oh. a couple of seasons of Mad Men and, and bailed on it, but I want to start that up again. And then The Sopranos, I remember watching the pilot when I was like 13 years old, and then I just never picked it up again. So now, now I'm back in it, and I like it, and I think it's really enjoyable, but I don't know if it's like, this is clearly the great American novel of our time. <laughs> and it is like strange. No, the Wire is the great American novel. Yeah, that's what people say too. I and mean, people say that about Mad Men. There's a bunch of novels on TV. It's, see, and The Sopranos <laughs> kind of walks that weird line too where you have deeply fucked up characters who are racist, homophobic, etc. But they're doing the thing where it's like, yeah, but we know these characters are bad. But for a certain group of people at the time, it's sort of nor it would be like, yeah, you can talk like it's like fucking Sopranos talk when you you know fucking use like slurs and shit like that. But the elegance of the show, I think, is that despite that, they find these ways to use humor and like these weird quirks about these characters to suddenly get you to like give a shit about someone who's like a violent murderer or hitman or whatever. And it's that's like the those are the moments where I find most enjoyable where I'm like suddenly I'm laughing at someone I would normally think is just an absolute villain. But the writing, I think, is what makes it super fun too to watch. 
Yeah, and it's funny too in this current moment to watch it and <laughs> like alternating essentially a watching habit of like, okay, I'm going to watch 13th and just finish Selma. All right, here's two episodes of The Sopranos right. and then back to like yeah. do the right thing. And it is, and even too, just like on a on a gender thing, like all four of those shows, or I don't know The Wire if it is as much, but all those are about difficult white men who are like actually bad and kind of anti-hero in nature. And so kind of it, it's interesting to go back to that time when that felt like novelty and like real original. Right. And 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 to try to get back into that mindset of like oh yeah, like in trying to get back into that cultural mindset of it was never seen before in quite that same way, but now it kind of just feels like an exercise, but that's only because it was so influential that it did just like right. set the course else. of TV. Yeah, I mean, without the, the Sopranos, would we even have Ozark? And wouldn't that be a sad thing? Is that good? <laughs> no, I mean, oh. it's fine. It's fine. I feel like, I don't know Yeah, I feel like everybody was talking about it, but I guess that was because of quarantine. Like, it, every show that's coming Fully. out now is like, yes, get it out now. Yeah, mm. no, I think that's the case. Now, Ozark, Ozark plays like a dumb guy is trying to write Breaking Bad. Oh, um, right. Yeah, okay. that's the vibe that I got. But very in, um, incredibly watchable, incredibly watchable. Great snack food TV. It's amazing to look at the history of like mobsters and how influential shows like Godfather and uh, Sopranos are. Godfather, in particular, like in, invented a lot of the ideas of the American mafia, like having those higher level like family values. That was something that like didn't exist at all in the American mafia before before the Godfather, and then everyone was like. Oh, this is this is much cooler hey, than what we do, cool. which is go go around like breaking parking meters to get the the change out of it, and, <laughs> yeah. you know, turning on each other. Um, yeah, a little more barbaric. And, yeah, and then and then Sopranos, I feel like talked about that was like yeah, it, like they're just I, I think there's aren't there scenes Miles and Sopranos where they talk about the Godfather and like how oh, yeah. great it is. Yeah. Yeah, and, and also like it's funny too cuz like they'll harken back to like you know in the back in the, the old, you know the old guys they would never do something like that. Like you know right. like they like this yeah. sort of like reminisce but then you're also thinking like are they talking about a period that predates even the Godfather coming out and they're still using yeah. their Godfather informed perception of these like it's weird when like with what you're saying to even look at those scenes when they're like going back into the 50s and 60s um and like what the Jersey mob looked like then. Yeah, inventing yeah. traditions that don't exist. Also, as a as a Bruce Springsteen fan, very fun to watch Stephen Van Zant in his little toupee that doing Silvio doing work. What a great actor for that a show, though. Yeah. Like, not little, and his wife, his wife too. Like <laughs> yeah. it's just like the Van Zants as mm-hmm. the Dante family, and I'm like, I love this. I love it. Very strange. Although part of me wonders if like my um, full lack of love for the show comes from I feel like I might be a dumb dumb with some mafia stuff. I don't know if I've ever really connected with like an organized crime or mafia movie. Even watching, yeah. even watching The Irishman when they're like an hour or two of like, okay, the labor union wants this. I'm like, how? What do they control? <laughs> like, it feels like are they socialists? Yeah, it feels Byzantine <laughs> right. and, and and political to me. Did you um, watch Lillehammer? That show Steve Van Zant was on after The Sopranos. Do you remember a that? gangster in Norway? Yeah. No, did I did you, not watch it. I Although couldn't. Bruce Springsteen does have a cameo in season three oh, he of that does? show. The billboard alone, I was like, I can't do it. Like, you guys, this is too much. Don't don't drag me into this no. territory now. Like, let no, no, little no. Stevie from the E Street Band just be little Stevie. 
Yeah, I think that's right. That was like Netflix's first show before yeah, House of Cards, yeah, by right. the way. People forget that. Yeah. They were like the 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 company House of Cards built. It's like, no mm. dog, Lily Hammer. Yeah. Built off that. the back <laughs> of Steve Van Zant. Yeah. And that was when their uh model was invest in the fifth guy in Sopranos and see if he can carry a, yes. a whole show because yep. that show was popular. Uh and then they they went a little further. Three seasons. Um, three seasons. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin, what is the myth? What's something people think is true you know to be false? Uh, I, I thought about this a lot in, in, in thinking about myths in particular. One myth may be the existence of hell, and I'm here to say hell isn't real. Thank you. No. That's a load off my shoulders. Wait, Jack's pissed that hell isn't real? What's, well, what's the matter? He was raised Catholic, man. You're kind of you're disrupting a lot of teachings right now. <laughs> yeah, there's something that... I read at some point about how the existence of of hell has has like some connotation with like societies that I don't know. It, it's like more impactful on the moral makeup of a society than you would think. Like belief in hell, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I mean, it it kind of gets into. I'm sure, I'm sure it's conversant with the conversations about prison reform stuff and like the idea of justice. And I'm sure it's got to influence so many things. The idea of like ultimate justice in a way. Yeah. Oh man. Hell, huh? I mean, who's to say, you know, like when I was trippy and like reading books, like in college, I was like, what if like, this is hell right now? How do we know that? So like, Mm. fuck bro. Hand me that bong. Yeah. (laughs) No. Well, okay. Miles kind of just, Stole my whole argument, so I, I guess I can't <laughs> dispel the myth fully. Uh, Jack, did you grow up fearing to. hell? Hellfire? Yeah. Uh, I did not really. I like when I was really young, I tried to like think of, uh, I could never get my mind around the idea of eternity. Like, I just, it, it, it didn't seem <laughs> possible concept. to me. So then, like, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't do it. I like gave up when I was five. Uh, Damn, gave up on really, hell at five? I just gave up on like understanding it. You hate to hear that, man. I think I did. I think I did though, because like my nightmares were always me doing bad things and like getting in trouble. Like me, like like what I used to have this recurring nightmare where someone would like force me to do drugs. Um, when when I was like five or six or something. Oh my my god! God. Why? What happened? I don't know, man. That's they forced you to do. Wait, what? What kind of drugs did they force you to do? They would. So I didn't know shit about drugs. So they would cut my thumb and then pour powder on the cut, uh, and that was how that was how they got me. Um, And then what would happen? Like you would, your mom would be like, "Jack, you're on drugs. Go to hell." (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh my goodness gracious! And what was it like the drug free America? Like how did you get that connotation with the drugs and everything? Yeah, I think it must have been the PSAs. I mean, you know, I'm growing up in the Reagan era and like grow a lot of TV, a lot of like very special episodes of people, you know, doing drugs, having their life ruined by drugs. Right. Um, turns out drugs are awesome and, uh, they're too good. They're not, nobody's going to force you to, uh, pour them in your thumb cut though. Um, but yeah. Now we, uh, we cut to two weeks from now when daily zeitgeist listeners, there's an epidemic of thumb cutting powder yeah. putting into <laughs> horrible <laughs> infections. Children are going to the ICU in record numbers from this the, podcast. 
the least efficient way to do cocaine <laughs> cut your thumb and then pour terrible pour terrible infection cocaine. yeah yeah <laughs> Um, that doesn't gangrene. even get into your system that way. I don't think. I mean, it, it just, I technically oh, I think could it's... absorb it, but then I feel like then it was just like necrotized from a terrible infection. <laughs> like ah, it's got necrotic, and I got a cool like purple thumb now. Gracious. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I had a fully realistic view of of drug use when I was uh, like seven years old. But... Ugh. Yeah, that's why you gotta you gotta get your kids started early, you know, so they don't have these yeah. weird dreams. Show them the wire early yeah. on. So I'm how to break open a light bulb and get busy with it. What the heck? Is that real? <laughs> Don't, Kevin, I can't corrupt you. That's a whole Oh my other god. Podcast. I know. <laughs> I, I I do have a lack of knowledge with drugs that is comforting to me. Of like you do what with the what? And there's a spoon? Oh my god. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. So I wanted to talk about a couple just sort of staggering out in the open examples of racism from police. Uh, there is a cop who was caught on video uh, just basically fantasizing about murdering black men using the N-word constantly uh, saying, I can't wait. God, I can't wait for like basically a race war talking about how he's arming himself up for it and uh, another police officer who he's talking to who's on board for the most part. And these are words of a person who's legally like allowed to murder people. And they were, it was not like a new, a young, this was a yeah. long time officer. So the full conversation is definitely worth reading because I think it makes it clear just like what, we're up against and I don't know how you read that and still feel comfortable with there being armed police in the United States. The examples keep adding up or the proof is becoming more available to people who really want to see like what the, you know, what the police force in this country has evolved into and like, what are the elements within it in this bushel of apples man, there's some, there's some bad ones. There's some white supremacist ones. There are guys who are, mm horny for a race war that the intent in their voices of like fantasizing about it is really just of someone who's like, I just need a reason because that's yeah. really what it is. I'm ready to yeah. kill black people. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I need a reason to do it. So I will join and I will go to an occupation where there is a monopoly on violence, the police force. Uh, because we are the, we exclusively have the rights to violence. If you are violent at all, the police will come. Doesn't matter in what context, because violence is for the state and for the police to do on you. And you have people who are just saying, "I just need a fucking reason," um, yeah, and they're walking around the streets. And even to like what you know, a countless people. Not aside from like Danielle, who was talking about her own family and other people I know who has have parents in law enforcement and who have had to sever relationships in the last month because of they began to question what their parents were doing over the last few years. They're like, I've heard you say some really wild shit over the years. How do? How could I ever know you've never done something fucked up out there, even if you didn't realize it? Even if you mm -hmm. didn't realize it. But how do I know that? I was like, if you don't trust me, there's all kinds of stuff. And to know that this is out there is frightening. But again, this is a terror that has been known forever. 
uh, for certain people in this country. But yes, I hope every time we're hearing about this, whether it's even police in Milwaukee who are abdicating their responsibility to follow up on people saying children were abducted and the neighborhood is going on their own to find justice, that we can see that there are these issues that we have to correct. There's nothing is getting better. We're only, I think now people just are willing to see how bad it is. And now you're, there's a taste of it. It tastes like shit. Yeah. I know people use the apple metaphor a lot and bad apple or like, oh, I mean, the, although the, the rest of that phrase is one bad apple ruins the bunch. Yeah. Which I yeah. think people realize. Also, I don't know if we've talked about the possibility that maybe just apples are bad for you. Maybe you shouldn't right. eat <laughs> apples at all. And maybe apple as a food group is not something you need in your life. But if but Adam and Eve and and Johnny Appleseed and Right. No, American and Apple, apple wait, Adam and Eve. <laughs> Adam and Eve. So Eve took the apple and then created original sin in our fallen world that we live in. So mm. the, But iPhones, dude. iPhones. But case closed. <laughs> the iPhones, you know, that's part of the the common grace that God has given us. But then in a in a way, an apple has ruined our lives forever. So abolish apples. But, you know, like what yeah. happens after, right? Like, because Jack, you wrote this in there of, you know, these people have been operating above the law for a long time. And yes. in the last month, the world is changing very quickly for these people who were able to murder and kill and maim undisturbed are suddenly finding themselves in a world where people are paying a lot more attention, realizing not only are they overpaying or overpaid, and bleeding budgets uh, when they can go to people who actually need money. But there are also these reforms coming and these structural changes that essentially could put them out of the job. You know, like when you have these, uh, you know, like in certain places that have completely revamped their police departments, it's like they fire everybody, everybody has to reapply. So I have a feeling right. there are cops out there who would, even if they reapply, they'd be like, look, we got to be real, man. Your record is a fucked up there's no fucking way you're gonna like that was back then but this is the reason why we dismantled this department is to make sure we know everybody who's in there and unfortunately you don't pass the test what happens to these other officers afterwards who are just angry white people who are just used to killing black people undisturbed what and yeah i guess that is their secondary fantasy is to be like well then it's civil war and then it's there is no laws and then that's how i can just act this out all the time yeah. I mean, it's still, I'd say it's still preferable to, you know, fire them all, abolish the police. But when we do, a lot of them are going to turn into a very dangerous, like, you know, white supremacist terror organization. And we just need to, as a society, grapple with the fact that we don't take white supremacist uh domestic terrorism seriously. And it's going to, it's going to be a problem for a long, long time. Um, still preferable because they won't legally be allowed to murder people. Um, but I do think we need to be prepared that these are neo-Nazis and openly violent white supremacists. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, so on uh, Behind the Police, uh, Robert Evans's mini series that he's doing with propaganda, they talk about uh, an active white supremacist gang that was uh, operating out of an L.A. sheriff's uh, precinct like it was the LA Sheriff's Precinct uh, called the Linwood Vikings. And when you go to the Wikipedia page, it's all like wanton racist hate crimes and it just ends. It's never like dealt with. It's never like, and then they were like rooted out. There's 
uh, a suit that requires the L.A. Sheriff's Department to pay $9 million in damages, and one of the guys they framed for murder gets out of prison after decades of being spent there, but they're they're still out there, and this is like not that far from where uh, Robert Fuller was hanged. Um, yeah. So it's it's just I don't know, man. There there's a woman in Wisconsin who was attacked with lighter fluid uh, by four frat boys, sustained second and third degree burns, and the media is just kind of not really covering it. Again, because I uh, since the beginning of all of these uprisings and protests, I've been saying. These systems respond every time to something, right? If they're, it's just like a living organism. If it feels that it is in threat, it will have to defend itself. So the police are on the back foot the first couple months. Now they're they're really out here with their full blown like we're victims. We're gonna brutalize people on camera. Like another cop is gonna remind me I'm doing illegal chokes on black people on camera. There's a lot where you're seeing this. You know, like just in the moment where a lot of people, I think, felt good of like, okay, we're on the the verge of reform. You also see where the media comes into your point and sort of isn't allowing this to be part of the main discussion anymore of being like, yeah, let's keep this. Let's keep stoking this flame of being like, we need to actually reform the police. And we are just seeing this. uh, The backlash, I just feel like in every single thing, like whether it's policing or it's even uh, performers not doing the voices of black characters, there's going to be the response where the racists have to come out and show themselves because that's just what it is. So if it's the, you know, Jenny Slate thing, then people are like, well, what about James Earl Jones? Like, that's just the nature. Like, there's always going to be a response from people of this other side of this ideology. And I think that's what we have to keep looking at is every time ground is made or improvements are made, there will always be a pushback from these systems, whether that's white supremacy or what have you, but this is this is going to be constant. I think being reminded of that uh, fact will help people stay focused on this because, again, you know, the media really they yeah they really don't give a fuck as much now unless it's like unless things are burning down. Uh, there isn't much room for that because we're completely on like Bill Barr, huh? Like he's a he's a career, he's a crime, huh? He's a creep. Yeah, I think the last month is the first time that I have aligned in my in conservative families disdain for like mainstream media stuff. So mm. for before mainstream media was like, oh, they're fear mongering about COVID-19. It's actually just a flu. It's not bad, blah, blah, blah. Or like the mainstream media won't tell you about this hashtag pandemic. And then the idea of like the way that the mainstream media did cover BLM protests and the movement, especially the first couple of weeks in all the like couch fainting and pearl clutching about the looters mm. and all this mm-hmm. and, and, and like how they frame things and what they put their, their focus and attention on. Mm-hmm. That was the first time that social media did feel like a, a, a net positive for the world in the sense right. of like <laughs> distribution and visibility, yeah. which is like in if, history. Truly, like it may have been one of the only, and I'm sure there's like been plenty of social uprisings where social media has been like a, like an important component of it. But with the BLM stuff, it just felt like unimpeachable, like putting together like these montages of LAPD brutalizing the police over a video of Eric Garcetti being like, I love you, son, to Chief Moore and things yeah. like that. It just felt unimpeachable. So I think, I think it's sad that that civilians have to be held to a higher standard yeah. with this well, stuff in, in terms of vigilance than elected in 
officials and civil servants, but and that's the, the way it is. The people who run these, you know, news organizations are white liberals typically. And yeah. it's exactly what like Martin Luther King was talking about. Like well-intentioned white liberals. Um, like beware, because that's not how we get to real justice. Cause it's you can tell just how the news operates. Like the, even the the people who run the newsrooms have a certain threshold for how much discomfort they're willing to even have go through their airwaves mm-hmm. of like, I don't know, it's should we really keep talking about like this colonizer stuff? Like it's kind of getting heavy. I don't know. Like, should we just talk like you go to MSNBC right now? There isn't a single headline having to do with anything that was related to the uprisings and protests that have been going on. It's about, you know, Biden having a lead, you know, what's going on with COVID-19. Trump has bad polls. There's nothing about Breonna Taylor's, you know, murderers still being out there, only getting fired. What's happening in other cities? Uh, you know, barely. I just barely saw something about Elijah McClain, how the governor is asking that that case be actually investigated now. But this is how the me- like because a lot of people they really think the media is the fucking world, and unfortunately, when they fall into that, they will look at this and go, "Okay, I think I think racism's been solved." But we're still out here saying, "Like, oh my god!" But this is how it works. They can't they can't really shine the light on themselves right now. They're just incapable, mm-hmm. um, and that's why like the, the the lack of diversity inclusion, especially when you look at the media, like this is the kind of thing you get. Yeah. I mean that there there's a a guy John Rice uh who has written in the Atlantic and talked on a New York Magazine's podcast about what he calls third degree racism and he kind of describes it as uh it's like the most omnipresent type of discrimination it kind of undergirds every part of uh American companies basically uh like white owned and run companies um and it's third degree and that it's like not intentional it's passive and maybe less acutely damaging than the stuff we were just talking about but it's omnipresence makes it as damaging on the, on the whole i'll just read like what he wrote in his article in the atlantic he said employers whose efforts to increase diversity lack the same analytical and executional rigor that is taken for granted in every other part of their business, engage in practices that disadvantage black people in the competition for economic opportunity. Like it needs to be a goal that you're tracking with metrics. It needs to be like you would any other part of your business that you want to succeed in. It can't just be a, a thing that you make a gesture at every once in a while when people are looking. Yeah, um, but that's but that's all people. A lot of people just know how to do. And there aren't they aren't right. around enough people to tell them that's bullshit. That's not change at all. That's you. That's like you just being like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's the equivalent right. of like just being like, oh, sorry, that's it. That's all you did was apologize. Because if you're really, you know, if you're really looking at this as an issue, then take like then think about it to your point, Jack. Like if you're going to use analytics and figure out how you're going to boost your profit margins or whatever business goal you have, you're going to do that more than just being like, yeah, we need more of that. So just do that. And uh, I'll talk to you at the end of the quarter. Like you got to have a strategy. It's the same thing with dismantling systemic racism. You have to have a strategy. You have to have a way of looking at it and quantifying it. Because I think the thing that people do is be very disingenuous and act like it isn't a measurable thing. Like even though Mm -hmm. there's so much data to say uh, these cities are segregated like this, there is your data right there. There's so much that you can look at to help inform your decision making and say, 
oh, wow, like it's not just that I have to hire people. It's like that I have to make my company a place that allows black people uh, and a diverse group of people a pathway into stable income to, you know, generate wealth, because that's the unfortunately the name of the game here is like you have to be in here and then you have to buy real estate because that's just the American cycle um, and a lot of places, too. But that if you're not thinking like that, then, yeah, you're going to get all this bullshit, these empty gestures that ring hollow, like after mm -hmm. you get the boner off from the press release and then you're like, oh, yeah, right. And yeah, then you're it back to regular has, schedule program. It feels like it, most of the time that stuff has the social efficacy of like deleting old tweets mm -hmm. rather than, okay, well, what's the thing moving forward? What's the commitment? What's the change? Where's the money going? What's the practice now? I don't even know if you guys at all followed the Ringer stuff or the Bill Simmons stuff this past yeah, week. I, I have it in here, actually. Oh, is because, that true? Oh, oh, gracious. Yeah, yeah. because, well, he what specifically happened? addresses one of the things that Bill Simmons uh, raises, the whole uh, pipeline thing. He's like, well, you know, that we didn't have the ability to hire a more diverse staff because we were, like, didn't have the money and there wasn't, you know, we were just still starting out. And it's like, he uh but you didn't have the money to what underpay people of color like you normally do right. like what the fuck is right. that mean? he said he said when executives use that excuse that there's like a small pipeline of talent uh he asks them oh yeah how many black people did you have at your wedding because that were not in the band right exactly Woo! and that is yeah he his point is that like a lot of the time people are hiring from like their pool of social connections and yeah. They're not doing it because they're thinking out loud, I want to gatekeep. They're doing it because it's the easy thing to do. It's yeah. the it's easier to vet people who, you know, know somebody who is at your wedding and it's just it's self perpetuating. It's it's, uh, it's but yeah, yeah, the Simmons thing was interesting, Kevin. I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh and as someone who is like really I I love a lot of the Ringer content stuff. I listen to some of those shows regularly and, and probably read the the website regularly, but very disappointing stuff. I mean, it, it, Bill Simmons has been kind of showing his ass the last month as far as like the conversation goes, even in his first podcast back with Ryan Russillo from, from the protests where they were just like very flippant and, and really insensitive about just like looter bullshit and stuff right. like that. But um, the thing from the New York Times piece that was really offensive that people rightfully kind of zeroed in on as as the language that said so much was talking about like even so even in 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 the sense of their podcast where like on some of those shows they would have on more guests of color or more uh, different kinds of people. And then over time, it just be, like for their rewatchables podcast, it just became the same three guys who are, right. you know, senior staff at the at the website and they're white males. And the thing Bill Simmons said was, mm. eh, this is an open mic night as oh, far as but... like proven talent and stuff, which just like, yeah, uh -huh. I feel like even that like that is is the stuff that we have to be so vigilant in in identifying and understanding the kind of like thought processes that that lead to that moment. By the way, it is an open mic night. Bill Simmons did give his fourteen year old daughter a podcast on the right. <laughs> on the network, yeah. so it's like right. Okay, Shut yeah. The fuck up. I guess it's not open mic night uh, because comedians do those generally, yeah. but uh, yeah. not just like guys, you know. I think, yeah, especially like in 
a lot of industries. I mean, I can only speak from entertainment comedy myself, but I've only been able to move up because of my proximity to whiteness. I've never had a black person give me a job ever in entertainment ever. I've only had the job because I knew white people who were who were vacating that position, who used to work there, who I worked with previously and are now in a position to hire. But that's the game a lot for a lot of uh, non-white people to get into industries that are so so homogeneous like this. It's very like there's no way to do it because it's not like you're gonna go on a on Craigslist and see an ad to be a writer's assistant for the next NBC show. That's just not how it works. Right. Like you have to know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody. And if you're if you're already like trying to enter a very white scene and you are not white, there's like extra work you got to do. Like you got to have to you're going to have to figure out who these people are that are worth knowing and that can offer you opportunity. Because at the end of the day, it, it, it come like it comes very differently than a lot of people who I just see like, oh, shit, like, wow, how'd you get that job? Like, I didn't even know they were hiring. And they're like, oh, yeah, like my friend's ex like used to run that thing and now he's at UTA but mm -hmm. he like he knew me like he knows my cousin and then so he just had me come through and like yeah like I was doing some shit like at my last game I was like what the fuck like that's how y'all get jobs it almost <laughs> feels like that's like a more sinister microcosm of what you see happening with like film industry stuff where it's so prevalent right now to make stuff based on pre-existing IP yeah because it's like oh it's a known quantity and it's a safe bet so Okay, we're gonna do a live action remake of Little Mermaid or whatever they're doing. Yeah, and so so that being like a broader, less harmful example of the more micro stuff that is fear based decision making, which is the and, worst kind. Yeah, which is like trusted. Like, okay, well, I know Steven, and I grew up across the street from him. I right. think he can hold it down. I guess, but it's like Rather he doesn't have like, an original thought in his body, and he can only speak in quotes from the movie Old School. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. And you're like, you're running this whole div Damn. What the fuck? But Not that's how that Step Brothers, but old school. Yeah, right. I mean, like, but, you know, very specific time. But, you know, it's, that's kind of, that's the game. Uh, and I think that's why people yeah. need to look, you know, like the, these jobs and stuff are like, I think white people don't realize like a ball, that, like this employment is like a ball y'all got. And you pass it around to people that you already are, have been making eye contact with. So, the ball only gets passed around to people you already know. And then there are people trying to get in the game. And like, how the fuck do I catch this ball? Mm -hmm, I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, so I'm going to need to get near this person who is in the game. Uh, they will know who I am. And then now I, at least they know who I am. And that that's, there's a chance the ball could come my way. And the problem is like you're saying, Kevin, it's all fear-based because if they just took, what's odd is like to someone who's getting uh, hiring someone, it's like, it's a risk to, you know, maybe go out there and someone you don't know. But you know what? You're, the chances of you finding someone really good are much higher than just settling on someone you don't have to worry about. And it's mm -hmm. the same thing with the ideas. The movies suck because it's ideas like from the business standpoint of the film industry, they don't have to worry about. It's not like a risk. But all this shit it's is laziness. like not entertaining anymore. And now we're like, fuck you, bro. We'll just watch Korean movies then. Like at least they're doing <laughs> right. some shit. Like and not just like Fair. rinsing and repeating stuff. It's like, and that, and they're not even seeing the benefit of being like, Dude, do something different. Like uh -huh. it's gonna, it will add naturally energize things. You know, it will be stagnant if you just continue to stay in your comfort zone. I mean, and that isn't that's beyond just your business practices. It's just a way of living too. You know, you like you need to go outside of what you know to truly begin to like 
build your world of experience and try and see things differently. Otherwise, yeah, you're just playing yourself because you're looking at the same fucking stucco wall all day and being like, yep, that's that's the world. Yeah, and it kind of makes everyone a victim of that stuff too. Yeah. Because in a way, like, white people become, like, not as much of a victim, but a victim of it by their own, like, almost being, like, trapped in this morass of mediocrity by not ever wanting to get out of that zone. Yeah. And I think, And I think especially in creative... Uh, environments, decision makers rob themselves of a lot of yes excellence and potential from Dude, that and stuff. Also, and just even yeah, when you when you miss out on people like that who aren't part of the normal you know like comedy guy circle, where like I feel like that's every like most writers' rooms, mm-hmm. and then th- just take the chance. You're gonna something new will happen, which mm-hmm. will already be energizing. And if you're hiring, then like you know that you that it's. I don't know. It just seems so easy. But again, we've, we're running these examples where companies are like, and we're going to do the right thing now. And it's like, that could have been done so long ago. And it really wasn't that hard, aside from the fact that you just agreed now that it's bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're choosing third degree racism over, you know, actual like success. They have to because the like it will make your company better. Studies have found that people who are with people like themselves in a group like problem solving setting, uh, have a higher degree of confidence uh, in you know the answer they come to or the solution they come to, and a lower level of success. And I think that's like just keep that in mind. It's going to be comfortable and more mediocre if you are just like working with and hiring people who are like yourself. It's just going to be you guys are going to be like yeah yeah totally this is. We nailed it, and you're going to be wrong. (laughs) Right. All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back. Real quick, I don't think we got a chance to talk about... uh, They looked at the security tape. They checked the receipts on uh, that cop who uh, said there was a tampon placed in his uh, frappuccino. Uh Uh-huh. And nothing, that that didn't happen. Um, So it seems like the police are really out of touch with the the wonders of video. You're fucking kidding me. That was not real? I thought (laughs) the tampon bay fuckaneer with his flopuccino was the real story. And that's not, oh God, then who, so are people being mean to cops? I don't get it. It's, all these stories are so incredible because it is watching, like watching law enforcement officials essentially write fanfic of their own persecution in real time is an incredible exercise to see, okay, what would be the most egregious, well, I guess a tampon, what would a guy like me get at a... I guess I would get a frappuccino, frappuccino. at one of place, and like just kind of the A to B to C, and and you know historically, um, Starbucks has, uh, lest we forget, has perpetuated a lot of fake anti-police violence. Uh, when the when the young lady wrote "pig" on the guy's cup yeah, that he wrote uh, on oh, his yeah. own cup, exactly. Uh, so couple much self self harm. That's all mm-hmm. they know is this self harm. They're truly just a vile group, you know what I mean? Like, and then when you look broadly at the conservative movement against uh, Starbucks killing Christmas with their like not putting crosses on their Christmas cups, it's it's like a lesser version of that, but it's still the same sort of idea that like you can get everybody outraged by claiming Starbucks is attacking you. Yeah. 
Well, um, yeah, I mean, a lot I don't of these know if people have seen... like the morals to actually follow through on any of like their supposed boycotts or anything. Because at the end of the day, their their brains are fully fucked off consumer culture. Like, there's no right. way that they're like, yeah, you know what? I've really thought about my place in this consumer cycle, and actually, giving my money to Starbucks isn't what I want. Mm-hmm. Aside from them destroying Christmas, I just think as an enterprise, it's probably not a good idea for me to participate. It's not. That's not what it is. It's just pump faking. That's all these people do. It's just a pump fake. I'm. I won't go. Okay, then don't. Fuck you. We're doing the same thing. And watch, they they still go and they shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. And now they're just like, well, then I'll write pig on my own cup. Like, okay, idiot, you're still here, and you gave them your money, you fucking dummy. Now, we're getting this news in just now, but uh, from the at Starbucks official account, they've announced that the new holiday cups will be cops on oh. their cups. They're going to put cops in Santa outfits <laughs> on their holiday cups, Yay. making everybody happy. Oh, Hell man, yeah. just saying, po, 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 down the fucking <laughs> chimney. <laughs> Let's talk about Kristen Bell and Jenny Slate. Uh, they have subbed themselves out as performers because they were voicing persons of color on uh, Big Mouth and Central Park, respectively. Yeah. So. I mean, great, great. Uh, hey, make space. That's that's great. They took a second. Their statements were like, yeah, when I th- just, you know, the last month, just trying to think of how I may have participated <laughs> in any kind of racism or kept people out of a job or something i realize it's i'm playing a half black character and yes the character is half white and i am white and then that could be my half and then that's why it's okay is what i told myself but then i realized it was black erasure and i was also taking up the spot for someone else who could be having a nice income as a voiceover actor because jenny slate and Kristen bell are not struggling at all they are i know uh <laughs> Kristen bell is a very kind landlord so I have a feeling they, you know, they're, they're doing the right thing because that's precisely they, they're looking at it and making that decision. But this is like the easy stuff, too. It's almost like, yeah, you could these, you know, people of color can also do voice acting. And there was a few articles showing how there are a few like white voice actors who are uh, voicing characters who are not white and just sort of like, yeah, this is like a thing that we can also talk about. But then it kicks off the whole fucking Darth Vader <laughs> discussion with people on the right the recency mm-hmm. of these of these voices too is what makes it so funny mm-hmm. i feel like Kristen bell with the you know everyone's purple or whatever that kid's book she she put out a couple right. of weeks God. ago i i think we're getting more of a clear sense of uh where her and dax might fall on certain i don't see things. color i don't see color yeah see color. but that central park came out like two weeks ago it's not like <laughs> it's surely not like you know the first thing <laughs> Yes, yeah. like it's not like even even in Scrubs or Thirty Rock where it's like it was fifteen years ago and blah blah blah, but it's yeah. like Central Park came out on Apple TV Plus two weeks ago, <laughs> and they're like, yeah. oh, you know, upon further inspection, the thing with with both of those cases is I feel like the instant Hank Azaria says, you know what, I'm not doing a poo anymore, that I feel like just should be. That's it. Like, it's game over yeah. for, is this right or Like, I don't know. And it's a complicated question. It's like Hank Azaria, who got grandfathered in from a much more racist time and probably a much more racist writing staff, he's saying no to it in right. response to, like, yeah. legitimate criticism. So why would it ever be okay? No, for- wait. He's, Azaria said he's done. In February, he said he was done doing a poo. 
Yeah, that's what I mean. Oh, oh, you're saying if if okay, got it. I'm confused. Once he says he's done, like everybody else, should yeah, have like taken the everyone else should have, like, yeah, yeah. like that uh, should have been a note. wave. It should have <laughs> yeah, been like right. there should have been a cascade of press releases of like, oh shit, yeah, Azaria's not doing it. That's like that example everyone has in the back of their mind. They're like, well, you know, Hank Azaria does that poo, so like if it's not hot, yeah, him, exactly. I guess I can it's get like away with this shit. It's the example that gives permission, and even on a woke as hell show like BoJack Horseman, where Alison Brie is playing an Asian character, like it's right. just. Everyone's mm-hmm. given everyone's given each other permission in these teeny tiny little ways. Right. Guys, let's check in with the Netflix top ten real quick. Yeah. Uh, Altered Carbon season two. Week. I hope it's still up there. <laughs> <laughs> so we skipped last week and the Netflix top ten went wild in the meantime. Uh we've got some new entries. So three sixty-five days still still there, still in the top four. Uh, for most of last week, I noticed it was at number one. So America stays horny uh, to the point that number six is that uh, the full porno that Carl and I were talking about. Uh, that's like, I don't know. It's actual people having actual sex on camera, but it's wrapped in like a moody European film. Uh, it's from the guy who made uh, Enter the Void. Uh, it's Okay. But uh, so that that broke into the top uh, 10. Let's see. The floor is lava. What do we know about the floor is lava other than? I know a friend of mine is on episode nine and I did enjoy watching her cross. Oh, it's a fucking obstacle course show. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, I I like obstacle course shows. You know, shout out to Japanese culture. You know, we see you take we see you see we see you stealing the culture. But um, yeah, I like I. The thing that Jamie tweeted yesterday about nut job at the time of her tweet, it was number four, and she was like, "America, let's unpack this." <laughs> um, because yeah, I wonder. I know nut job is going to be some kind of just absolutely bizarro tone deaf animated thing. Uh, we've already seen the soft yeah. porn. Yeah, of it's three sixty five. Uh... 2014 3D computer animated uh, heist comedy where they're stealing. It's I think squirrels stealing nuts. Oh, that's awesome! Will Arnett, Brendan Fraser, and Gabriel Iglesias, Fluffy himself. Mm. That's okay. awesome! Oh my god! Uh, I can't wait. I don't know. I we haven't done. I mean, Floor is Lava is like definitely departure from scripted things we have been yeah. assessing. But will I mean, we have number much one commentary? And it's been number one. All right, all then week. yeah, maybe that, I think then maybe we just need to understand why. Because when 365 Denis was uh, number one, we we had to go boldly into that soft core. So <laughs> yeah, so this one. I've managed to avoid all Lost of these. Bullet. Oh, Lost three... Bullet is basically French Fast and Furious. Uh, you you should definitely watch 365 Days. It's a it's a cinematic achievement, it's a, Kevin. Biz, it's so. <laughs> fucking off the rails with its like lack of acknowledging consent and like what it means mm. to be in a relationship or what love is like so many times you're like oh my god he like grabbed this woman by her neck and then like made out with her and she's like all right i'll stay you're right mm. you're like what made out f- with her with his wiener yeah. oh well not that well i mean that's not that's <laughs> you're talking about off the rip the uh ten thousand foot altitude uh f- fellatio scene there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of head in that movie, a lot of head. Yeah. Well, a friend of mine asked me to watch it and live text her while I was doing it, so maybe I'll do that tomorrow night. Oh yeah, I can only imagine it. it 
I was constantly like about to pass out because I could not believe that this was a thing that many Americans were like, yeah, 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 mm-hmm, mm-hmm, pretty cool. Huh. Okay. Did you name that uh, Jeff Dunham is one of the voices in The Nut Job? No, he's not. Lena's brother? Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Yeah, we their... never talk about that nepotistic ride she took on huh, to the top. I know. she. You know, her fortune is built on puppet culture. Yeah, racist puppet <laughs> culture. But Fitting. her whole career was her showing up at parties with like New York Times writers and being adorable when she was like seven years old because her parents were like society people. Well, yeah, and then you're like, hi, David Mamet's daughter, being my thing too, so nobody will ever be able to say no to this show. And then, hello, Brian <laughs> Williams' daughter, come be in my right. show. This is a bunch yeah. of, they should have not, they should have called it, instead of girls, they should have called it daughters. Because right. they're all someone's yeah. daughters. That's the thing that we were talking about the other day, of just, again, how like the industry works, like even in LA. All the celebrity kids, producer kids, exec kids, they go to one of three high schools. And yeah. then, oh, fully. All, then all the films end up coming out of alumni of these schools. And you're like, I'm always like, okay, where'd you go to Harvard, Westlake or Crossroads? Time to abolish school? high school. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> home. Yeah. Um, just, just PC learning. Just fire hey, up the, yeah. I, I was homeschooled. I turned out great. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> the nut job. Uh, I mean, maybe I have to watch the nut job because as I was watching the preview, I was also, uh, you know, hanging out with my sons and they were laughing uproariously. I just don't know. Is it too, do I want to expose them to this? I feel like it's probably not good. I've already polluted their brains with trolls world tour. You do the woke dad thing, like where you're watching the the problematic movie and you pause it and you're like, let me explain what's happening here, son, right. what they're trying to tell you, right. what they're trying to indoctrinate you with, okay? Oh, man. Yeah. Because this is already trying to put you on the rat race where you're trying to attain, in this case, acorns, but we call them yeah. dollars out here uh, because no. we are living in a system, and then they're like, they just start crying because they want to watch the cartoon. See, <laughs> this, like this is why this. I can never have children because I don't want to do John Oliver explainers every two right, minutes right, right. if we put on <laughs> Animaniacs. Welcome, welcome, welcome! And if you think <laughs> Wacko's accent is inappropriate, it's because it is. It's because <laughs> it is. <laughs> you guys have a really good John Oliver. I can only do welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome. Fuck you, <laughs> Helen. You knew I wasn't going to be in the break room. <laughs> Does anyone have uh, a John Kevin. Oliver, like, non sequiturs Twitter account that are just, like, just out of context lines that you would <laughs> believe in and be like, yeah, and fuck you, Helen. I'm not, going, I'm not coming to the break room to sing. <laughs> no, that, that'd be cool, though. Oh, we love Zazu. We stand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait before we get there do we decide it's nut job or floor is lava nut job oh shit uh i'm gonna watch the nut job you're gonna watch the floor is lava does okay. that sound good? i go ahead because i actually every time you watch a kid's movie for this you come back with like a fucking you you, you look so deep into the matrix <laughs> of the film i get like stressed out when i'm like i'm an idiot because this guy's like yeah, i mean i don't know what they're actually trying to say about this genre of music and trolls and i was like okay yeah 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 this is good have this guy on the kid movie. I would recommend Flora's Lava. I, I enjoyed what I watched. All right, I'm going to. All right, so Flora's Lava and Nut Job. Do do you listeners whatever you want to land on for Monday? Mm. Kevin, it's been a pleasure having you. Where can people find you, follow you, enjoy you? You can follow me at Kevin T Porter everywhere. You can listen to my podcasts, Inside Voices, or Good Christian Fun wherever you get your pods. 
And then, uh, you know, peep me on Letterboxd. We're all on Letterboxd now, right? Mm-hmm. Reviewing our movies, showing our histories. Yeah. Making our lists. What a fun time. <laughs> uh, and is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Oh, you know what? In 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 uh, preparation for this, I did find a tweet that allowed from at Otto, O-T-T-O, Fernandez. <laughs> he tweeted... I'm not B-I-P-O-C. I'm OJ. (laughs) (laughs) I thought thought it was a pretty terrific tweet. Uh, Miles, where can people find you and follow you? And what's the tweet you've been enjoying? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, Miles of Gray. Also, my other podcast, uh, 420 Day Fiance. If you like 90 Day Fiance, hop in. It's a ride. Get in there. It is a ride. Um, okay, let's see. A tweet that I like. Uh, this one is from at We Amor Amara. It says, Are there any black owned planets I can move to? (laughs) 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 Um, uh, and what else is there? Another one is uh, from at Ben Meckler. It says, Is it all millennials that can attach every formative sexual experience in their life to a DVD menu that was playing on repeat in the background, or are we a micro generation? (laughs) (laughs) Um, some tweets I've been enjoying at Speechlyish tweeted writing about U.S. food the way the New York Times covers Asian fruit in a nation torn by racial conflict. One unlikely food unites to those accustomed to chopsticks. The greasy parcel known as a burger, a sort of split bow, is crude and messy. Yet it encapsulates a nation's violent past, uh, which I thought was perfect. Uh, and then Dan uh, Johnson tweeted. Hi, welcome to Chuck E. Cheese. Everything is visibly dirty, and our mascot is a rat. Eat some pizza near a sneezing child. Come on down for some rat pizza at our child casino. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we ride out on Miles. What's that going to be today? Uh, this is a track from a group called Dumbo Gets Mad, uh, and they are a very interesting group. Uh, and I, this is the first time I heard of this group. It's a like an Italian band, but they started playing around LA a couple years ago, and they have a very like psychedelic psych pop disco feel uh and like they kind of record the tape so it feels almost like very um old school but the rhythms are good like this one has a very great samba beat to it uh and it's called makes you fly Uh, so this is a great this is just a great one to take into the weekend oh one other thing i do want to say this weekend if you are interested in really fantastic visual art I have to recommend, uh, there is a 48-hour stream of this piece by this artist, Arthur Jaffa. It's called Love is the Message, The Message is Death. And he's a really amazing artist. It's like this, it's it's a thing you could only watch in museums prior to, you know, the last month with everything going on. And it's this, you know, it's a lot of found and original footage that is described as, you know, the it's exploring the Black American experience. And it's a very, very powerful piece. And it's like streaming anywhere. Um, a few like different museums are streaming this just for this weekend. Um, and he's an incredible artist from Tupelo, Mississippi. But search for Arthur Jaffa's uh, 
Love is the message, the message is death. It's a very, very powerful piece uh, that is absolutely recommended viewing if you are so inclined to engage with material like that, and I hope you are. How long is it? Uh, it's not that long. It's not like a full okay. on, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's, a, it's a shorter piece. I wanna, I can't, it's definitely not like an hour or anything like that. Gosh, I thought you said it was 48 hours long. Oh no no! They're old, they're playing it for forty eight hours. It's being streamed for forty eight hours this weekend from today Friday that up seems until Sunday. More manageable. Yeah. All right. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That's gonna do it for this morning. We'll be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. Talk to you then. Bye. 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 Bye.